You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on people? Welcome to Pain Points. As usual, I'm your host Jake Painting. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Canis Supers family. Today I'm joining you straight after the Denver vs Minnesota game. Denver beat Minnesota 124-109. Another loss for Minnesota which makes it four straight now. Tonight I'm joined by nobody actually. I'm doing this a solo podcast. Obviously being on the other side of the world is kind of tricky to get people to kind of work with the time zones and it, it becomes a bit hard, especially now that um, going back to work and, and kind of the weekday games get a little bit tough. So I'm going to be doing a few of these solo podcasts, um, try and keep up to date with the with the post-game rap kind of stuff. So I don't want to completely ditch the, the post-games. So yeah, I'll be doing a few on my own and, and we'll be starting with tonight. So hopefully it's not too strange without someone here and hopefully you guys can uh, deal with the Aussie accent for for a full half an hour or around that. So as usual, we're going to be doing the same stuff as usual. It's it's the bad stuff and the good stuff of the game. Um, kind of just reel off a few things that I noticed and a few things that I liked and I didn't like. So we'll start with the bad like we always do, try and finish on a good note. Um, I think the first the first bad thing was the the thing that was all over the Twitter timeline. It was all over, you know, the the Timberwolves landscape in the first half, and that was D'Angelo Russell's first half. And I think it was it was just so obvious in in that half that Russell was pressing too much and and trying to shoot his way out of out of the very publicized slump that he's been in heading into tonight's game. Um, there was multiple times where his tunnel vision took over. And the only thing on his mind clearly was was scoring those buckets that would would heat up his hand a little more than it had been of late. And I think that that's what's getting on people's nerves, and it's what's frustrating people. And the fact that he kind of seems to yeah shoot his way out of this slump rather than than play team basketball and and get himself going by getting the rest of the team going. I guess that that's really frustrating um, for us as fans, and it's probably frustrating for him as well. And and one thing that that stood out to me as well a lot, well a lot lately is is Russell and his inability to draw fouls. Um, obviously, the the lack of straight line burst and the vertical athleticism it's very well documented and it really holds him back when it comes to getting to the rim and and drawing contact around the cup. But his radar on those stop and pop perimeter shots that are designed to draw fouls is just way off at the moment. Um, when they work, it's fine. It's easy free throws. But when they don't, which is the case at this moment, and, and when you kind of misjudge where the, the man behind you is coming off the screen when, when he does that little, yeah, the stop and pop where he he stops with the guy behind him or he, he stops when he feels contact coming close to him and tries to get into a shot motion and throw up a shot to draw fouls. Um, 
yeah, when, when that works, it's fine. But but at the moment, they they're not working, and they're pretty much just live ball turnovers disguised on the stat sheet as missed field goals. Um, I think there's a time and a place for that kind of foul hunting. Uh, but but right now, Russell's probably doing it a little bit too much for my liking. And I think that, that really hurts the team, It's especially when they're coming off no passes, they're, they're straight into an isolation and straight into a really bad shot attempt or, or as I said, live ball turnover that that doesn't help the team whatsoever. Uh, I think that's it, it's hurtful. And when you have a guy like Russell who, who coming into tonight had, had just been struggling so much to get things going, to get his teammates going, to get himself going, whether it be making shots, whether it be, you know, running pick and roll properly, whether it be throwing passes to, to cutters. Um, the, the foul hunting just compounds that problem. And and tonight in the first half, I think it was just another one of those silent stretches that I spoke about after the Clippers game that just, you, you can't have it. You, he, he needs to be the leader of this team. I think at this, you know, we, we've beaten this this horse dead at the moment about Russell and and how he's how he's leading the team and how he's coping as a number one option but I think that that right now it's it's just not good enough and well I guess in the first half it wasn't good enough because that brings me to to the butt and I guess this is a a a notch in the good column is then he comes out and flips it flips that current narrative on his head in the third quarter uh he attacks the rim on the first possession and gets a tough layup to go then he hits a catch and shoot triple on the next play, and then after and that was after an Ed Davis rebound, and then before, um, sorry, after that he gets to the to his spot and hits one of those patented little ten foot jumpers. Um, then you know the ball movement follows along after that. He he has that nice little drop off pass to a backdoor cutting Malik Beasley, follows that up with a, with a crisp little pocket pass to a rolling Nas Reed, and then the the direct you know directly after that is. The no look beauty that that stimmed uh, Will Barton's ear, as Jim Pete kept, re- kept referring to on the broadcast, uh, to a cutting Beasley as well. So all of that, you know, was coupled by really attentive defense on the other end. It, it culminated in a strip and a transition triple to, and that capped off his best stint this season, and and maybe his best stint in a Wolves uniform in general. I just think that the flip switched in that third quarter and. You could see the, you know, the the light bulb switch on, and that's the kind of value you can you can get from D'Angelo Russell when he's on his game. And there was real signs of life, and there was a, you know, there was there was hope for once that this guy isn't going to be this this really negative player for his entire season or for the you know his entire time in Minnesota. So really, as much as I was down on Russell's first half, and I think that it was important to note that as a negative for the game. Um, you know, and his last few games in general have been just as bad as that first half. I think that 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 second half and especially the third quarter was was something to hang your hat on if you're a Russell apologist, which which I think at this point I kind of am a little bit just because I'm a little bit higher on him still than than maybe some of the fan base is. But yeah, I think hopefully that little stretch helps him break his slump because the start of this game is just uh, it's not really good enough. And as, as exciting as that third quarter was, you really can't have, um, you know, 24-minute stretches like he did to start the game. Um, moving on, the second negative I saw was was containing Jamal Murray off, off screens, whether that was ball screens or, or dribble handoff action, um, you know, 
it's it's not very groundbreaking stuff that the Timberwolves just can't guard fast and shifty shot making guards, especially you know when screens are involved, and they certainly can't do it when Josh Okogie's not on the floor. And tonight it was Jamal Murray. He scored thirty six points on thirteen to twenty from the field, and the vast majority came off you know screen or handoff action. Uh, the Nuggets do a fantastic job of of creating wing actions between Murray and, and Jokic. Um, Normally, it's Murray coming off a dead sprint around around Jokic's big body, and they feasted tonight with the likes of Russell and Beasley chasing Murray through those actions. Um, even when Jarrett Culver had his chance to to do the guarding, which which maybe you know he should have been guarding him from from the first minute of the game and and tried to stop Murray from getting hot because we know Murray is is one of those guys who can catch fire, and and after that you really can't stop him. Um, but even when even when Culver did get that chance, um, he just wasn't quick enough to keep up with him or strong enough to to slide through those Jokic picks. Um, against bigger wings, Culver has a much better track record and he really can be a deterrent. But it's it's just hard for him against those smaller guards. He just doesn't have yeah the speed to to keep up with them. And and Murray really does hit screens hard and come off them really fast. And tonight, I just thought that not only was Murray very very good and and some of it was just you know offense beating defense um but i just think that the wolves have a really hard time guarding smaller yeah scoring guards um and and until a Cody comes back and then even on nights where a Cody is back and he's guarding a bigger wing or he's guarding a power forward i think that, that it's going to be a real problem for the season and unfortunately that's just a side effect of of having Russell and Beasley as your you know backcourt and, and the two guys who are going to have to guard um, a point guard or a shooting guard most nights. So yeah, I, I just think that that Murray, well he he was the difference in that game. Um, he wasn't as a he wasn't even on the court really for that that last quarter run, which I'll get to in a second, but. It was the first half he kept them afloat. He he once he started getting easy shots, then the the hard shots started to fall as well. And yeah, the Timberwolves really had no answer for him. And that that does bring us to that last quarter run that I just spoke about. Um, I think we obviously need to hit on this before we get into some of the positives of the night. Coming out of the break, the you know the third quarter break with a one point lead was really encouraging. And then the the Nuggets reel off a twenty to two run and pretty much. Put all of that hope, you know, that we had to bed. Uh, outside of a few ill-advised Ricky Rubio jumpers, I didn't think that the offense was that bad. In fact, I thought Ryan Saunders actually did a good job rectifying what had been a horribly stagnant and, and disjointed offense of late tonight. Uh, but but the, shots, the shots just stopped falling. And then some sloppy turnovers compounded the issues and then the, the defensive issues kicked in and they were really magnified. Uh Jokic got going in transition with a few nice passes and a few mid-range buckets. The Wolves weren't getting matched up quick enough in that in those semi-transition kind of plays, which led to some open swing-swing triples. It was just it was a five-minute lapse in conversation, uh, sorry, in concentration that really shot them in the foot tonight. I think outside of that, they were arguably the better team on the night. There, it wasn't it wasn't a game where I think that Denver dominated except for that five six minute stretch where they where they put on pretty much 20 points unanswered and that was 
that was the game right there. The scoreline probably flooded the Nuggets a little bit, but it was that fourth quarter run that cemented the win for them. And it it's as simple as that when you don't have Towns out there at times. I think that these are the things that can happen. Uh, Towns is obviously a stabilizing presence offensively. He He's one of the guys that you can give the ball to and just get a bucket. And very rarely does he go on a run where he's going to miss five, six, seven shots in a row. And I know that, that Russell and Beasley are guys who don't miss that often in a row as well. But when Beasley's not hitting, when Rubio's lost his shot touch, when when Cole was having a quiet stretch and, and Culver did have a really nice game tonight, but he was quiet in that stretch, no one just no one could buy a bucket and that's when you miss Towns. He he can hit that little right shoulder hook, you know, he can get one in the post, he can get one out of pick and roll, he can get one out of pick and pop. He's, there's so many options with Towns that can get you a bucket pretty quickly. And tonight, obviously, they don't have it, and who knows how long they won't have that that presence for, but it hurts. It hurts in those runs, and Denver put their foot on Minnesota's neck, and Minnesota just didn't have anyone strong enough to lift it off. And that was pretty much the the bottom line there. As soon as that run happened, it was game over, and all the the promise that Minnesota had shown and all the fight they'd shown throughout them first three quarters were was, you know, evaporated. And it was disappointing. It's it's not a moral victory, uh, I think, to say that they played better tonight and that they deserve uh, more plaudits than they've received through the last three games. But it's also, it's not good enough. They, they need to win games right now. And this was, this was a very winnable game. Uh, I don't think Denver were uh, completely kind of in their rhythm uh, they, they are a good team and you know they're a lot better than their records shows but they also were beatable tonight um and and minnesota didn't take that opportunity so moving on to the good stuff uh like i said like i always say we want to finish off with a little bit of good stuff uh, and tonight i thought there was good stuff for the, for the last few games it's been grasping at straws at, at what was uh, good for the game, you know, if it was kind of stuff that came in, in garbage time or stuff that really minor stuff that didn't really matter. But tonight, I think there was stuff that actually did matter. And get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The first one is the ball movement and the body movement. Uh, I I touched on D'Angelo Russell's brilliant third quarter and and second half in general earlier. But what really allowed him to shine as a passer um, and, and as a scorer was the player movement around him. Uh, far too often through this losing streak, the offense has just been simple dribble handoffs and, and simple pick and, uh, pick and rolls and, and pick and pops with with nobody moving towards the rim or, or doing any sort of cutting off the ball. Tonight that changed, especially in the second and third quarters when Minnesota really looked like the better team. And I think that's that's the biggest reason why this game was, you know, somewhat close or at least close for very large parts of it. Uh, I think two of the main culprits here were Jake Lehman and Jared Culver. Lehman looked back to his best self tonight. He's, he's jetting around the court, looking to find a sliver of space to move into and to 
present an option and moving the ball really quickly and decisively when that shot wasn't there or when he didn't have a lane to the rim. And then Jarrett was was obviously fantastic with his 20 points, but it was the way he presented himself and made those smart reads that impressed me the most. Uh, there was the dunk where he sliced through the middle of Denver's zone um, with with a cut, obviously, and Lehman found him, uh, which kind of goes back to the point with, with Lehman moving the ball really well as well. Uh, and, and then there was multiple times where, where Culver flashed across the lane to provide an outlet for Russell and, and finish some tough looks. There was that, that fall-away turnaround jumper. There was a few other um, just, just finishes around the rim, little flip shots, those shots that really haven't been falling for him throughout his career. And, and they were the shots that he got at Texas Tech. That there was one tonight where he, he took Millsap off the, off the dribble uh, and just put a, a shoulder into his chest and moved him out the out the way and, and flipped it up off the rim. I, I thought that that's that's the the Culver we're looking for, and that is the that's the offense they're looking for. Without Towns, they need to to find player movement, and, and player movement leads to ball movement. We all we all stream for ball movement and stream you know preach for what Minnesota should be should be doing to to get better looks, but. Unless the players around Russell or around Beasley, whoever has the ball, are moving and moving with purpose, it, it really it's hard to to foster that ball movement movement environment. And tonight, especially as I said in that second and third quarter, they were just it was fantastic. Um, and and that's what that's how this team gets to that really good offense. That's how this team survives offensively, uh, even without Towns there and. I thought they dropped off a little bit in the fourth quarter, and that was another reason why Denver was able to go on that run because, you know, ball movement and, and body movement creates good looks. And whether it's good looks from three, whether it's good looks at the rim, uh, they're the looks you need to, to quell a run like Denver went on, went on in the fourth. And I didn't think they did enough of it, enough of it in the fourth, but I think they did enough of it on the game to for me to... To look at it as a as a positive, and to look at it as a, as a good note tonight, because uh, Layman Culver and, and the two guys I'm about to mention, I thought were brilliant moving without the ball tonight, and um, yeah, I, I just think that's that's a winning recipe. Okay, so moving on, two guys I want to mention individually. The first one is Malik Beasley. Um, he was very good again tonight, and he seems to be catching a really nice rhythm just when the Wolves kind of, uh, you know, are craving someone to catch a rhythm. Um, hopefully that carries over to his backcourt, mate, DeAndre Russell. But but tonight, I thought Beasley was fantastic. He He's always going to have issues defensively, but he's a competitor. And tonight he competed so hard, and it really just jumped off the screen when you were watching it. He's, he's constantly moving offensively, whether it was off pin downs or back cuts. And in this one, I thought he just did a wonderful job of finding pockets of space to get himself into and get himself open. Uh, we we know he's a knockdown shooter. We know that he has an ultra-quick release. But the offense hasn't done enough, you know, good enough job providing him with room to show that. Tonight, they did. And he paid them back by, by moving towards the rim all night, as well as moving off the ball for threes, and as well as moving off the ball for jump shots. Um... He was making easy layups. He was making contested layups. He was putting his body into guys. He was showing the resu- you know the results of that those those weights that he, that you see him on Instagram. If you have him on Instagram, he's he's constantly lifting weights and trying to get bigger and trying to work on that frame that's been a problem of his throughout his career. 
Um, tonight, you saw the result of a little bit of that. Uh, he ended up with 23 points, 7 boards, 5 assists. And that didn't feel like he did anything too out of the, the ordinary, to be honest. Like that, that, that felt like something he can do night in and night out. And, and obviously, the, the five assists is, is pretty high for him, and the seven boards is probably a little bit more to it, you know, it, for us to expect on a nightly basis. But Beasley's just becoming a really consistent player for this team because he brings it every night. There's no, there's no effort, you know, there's no question about his effort or his intensity or his, or his energy. And that's contagious, I believe, and it's it's something that leads to consistency, especially when you've got such a sweet stroke and, and really becoming a, a budding finisher around the rim as well. I think his touch has improved a lot since he was drafted for Denver, and it seems like it's becoming a real weapon. He, he's not just a, a three-point shooter. He's not just a guy who, who runs off screens and shoots threes or, or stands in a corner and shoots threes. He's, he's a weapon all over the floor. And tonight, tonight we saw that, and I think that the Beasley is becoming a you know Beasley the basketball player is becoming really easy to root for. Um, and the last note I wanted to to hit on before we get out of here um, is Nas Reed. The I've been really I've been pretty tough on Nas this season, um, but but I just thought he was wonderful tonight. He was very actively def- active defensively which is where I've been itching to see some improvements from him. He played Jokic very well when he was in. Uh, obviously, he got the five fouls. I think at least two or three of those were were pretty ticky-tack, and, and obviously there was that charging call on, on Campazzo, which was just an awful call. But uh, fouls aside, I thought his, his ability to play between two guys in the pick-and-roll and, and impact the, both the ball handler and the big in the same play was the best I've seen him, him do that. Uh, he is physical. He, he clearly improves his body to the point where he can get down the court and, and protect the rim in spurts, like he did with that that huge chase down block, which which isn't the first of the season. And I think finally and, and most importantly is he just seems so much more aware of of what he's meant to be doing, where he's meant to be, uh, you know, what's a wrong decision, what's a right decision. They're stuff that just seemed completely foreign to him last season. And now they seem like they're becoming second nature. And as the season rolls on and as he, you know, keeps playing minutes, I just I just think he's going to be a really good backup center. As I said, I've been, I've been harsh on him. I think that he he has troubles against starting centers. And, and I don't know if tonight was the start of, of kind of a, a new Nas against starters and obviously the, the best center in the league in Nikola Jokic. Or if it was just kind of a a really nice game um, from him, but I think against backup centers, he's going to be just fine, and, and and hopefully for his sake, he he does get a few more games as the starter, which which we we all think he will. I think Towns will be out for a little bit, but but when he does move back to the bench, this this uh, stint as a starter is going to going to serve him really well, and especially defensively. But it's offense where where Nas has always made his, made a name for himself. And I thought tonight he was just as good. He his his touch around the rim has improved tenfold from last season. There were so many last season where he just kind of, you know, smashed into the backboard and, and, and didn't have any touch. It was all just just smash and crash with with him. Um, now, now you can see that touch. You can see it on the rolls when he when he gets to the rim at a full pace. He he can he can lay it up off the glass really softly and. You know, his, his strong screens and hard rolling was another reason Russell was able to get himself going. 
uh, the best bit about Nas rolling hard and threatening as a finisher is that now it sucks in the defense and that allows him to flash his talent as a short roll passer where he can kick it to shooters or cutters off the roll. Um, to me, that might be Nas's most intriguing talent. Uh, he's a really good passer, man. He's a good passer in everywhere. We saw the the transition pass that he had after that, that chase down block that I spoke about. We've seen him throw bounce passes to bat cutters out of the high post. And I think tonight was was another night where he flashed um that short roll that short roll passing where he can kick it to shooters. Um short roll passing is crucial to three point heavy teams, especially ones who have a good pick and roll passer like like Russell. Uh, and Nas's work in that area tonight was A plus. And I just think that we're seeing him grow. I think he was really good against Washington as well. He's just, he's a guy who has continuously proven me wrong. I was very down on him at the start of his career. Um, I was down on him compared to, to consensus at the start of the season. And I was down on him just a few games ago defensively. I just thought he'd never be out of guard, uh, an offensive minded starting center. And tonight, again, he's proven me wrong. And, and I thought he was brilliant against Jokic, I think that the the move to start him on the bench was a very good one from Saunders. I've been very critical of Saunders as well. That aspect, you know, if you read my Twitter, if you, you've listened to me here, you know that that I've been critical of Saunders. But I think that tonight was the right move. If, if he picks up those, those five fouls, you know, in five, ten less minutes because uh, he's in in the first stint, then he doesn't get a chance to be that good tonight. And... Minnesota don't aren't in the game for as long as they are, and they don't get as much confidence that they can actually battle with some of these Western Conference heavyweights. So I just thought Niles was really good tonight. I thought he was worth pointing out, just like Beasley was, just like uh, Jared Cole was, and just like Jake Lehman was, and, and just like the ball movement and, and the body movement was. So I'll I'll leave the post-game wrap there. Uh, I think that'll do it for tonight. Hopefully you've enjoyed it without a guest, um, and I haven't rambled on too much. Hopefully we can... Survive a few more of these throughout the year and and we can keep the shows coming rather than just kind of doing it on the weekends or doing it when I can find time with a guest. So thanks again for listening and yeah, I'll see you guys after the next game. Peace. <laughs>